Hello, so welcome back. If you've been with us, then you know that all day long we have been highlighting emerging and pioneering voices um, of the Black community within various industries and spaces. Um, this particular segment is a continuation of the It's a Different World with Creators on Campus podcast conversation series that we um, just tied into the events that we're doing today. And I am really excited about this conversation because it is with one of just the most, one of my most favorite people, like if there was a thing and there is a thing. Um, <laughs> one of my, one of just somebody who I've literally just seen blossom in so many ways that I'm super proud of, excited about, and um, just really, really grateful to have her on. So I wanna introduce you all to my beautiful cousin, sister friend, Jamira Littlejohn, um, who is joining us. Jamira. Hi, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a part of this. I'm no really problem. excited. Um, Jamira, I really thought would be a great person to come on. She has um, attended college. She's out here in the professional workspace now, but she also is up to some things creatively. Um, and so I'm just excited to dig into all of that. So Jamara, if you can just start and open up by just sharing a little bit about yourself um, from the standpoint of, you know, who is Jamara? What is she up to currently? Um, and even maybe just speak to the, the idea of the creative, like what does that mean to you? Um, so I'm gonna start with the last question first. Firstly, okay. I would say um, the creative for me is to just be free, um, to be expressive and to be like your full body, yes, whatever that is. Um, and for me, I find that through dance. So my passion is dance, but particularly traditional West African, African dance, as well as modern African dance as well. Um, and I have been, I've always had some part of dance going on like my entire life, but I found that to be my most passionate when I graduated from my master's program. Um, and I've been doing that ever since, I guess, 2016. So four years now. And right now, sadly, because of COVID-19, we're taking a little break. However, um, as soon as it's over, I'm going right back because it's something I'm definitely dealing with as far as grieving, not mm -hmm. being able to go to dance. Um, mm -hmm. And then as far as what I do on a consistent basis is finance and accounting. Um, right now, I work within the financial industry and I do financial review for different reports. Um, that is something that challenges me and it like stimulates my critical thinking but as far as passion, it's that's not my passion. It's just something that I do well. Um, mm -hmm. And eventually I could see myself more so branching out into like a financial literacy aspect um, and bringing that representation as a black woman within finance to people who look like us and trying to help them better themselves, better their understanding of finance and just create a, a wealthier future for them. Yes. I love it. I love it. So let's just backtrack a little bit. Um, 
you attended, you actually are repping your, your alma yes. <laughs> mater now. Yes, I H-U. am. H-U. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us a little bit about that experience going to an HBCU. Um, like what even prompted you to want to go to Howard to begin with? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to B, Howard University. And I remember when I was a senior at high school, um, that last year I went through a lot of challenges being uh, the only one like on a cheerleading team and just in my honors classes. And it just, I couldn't articulate why I felt like something wasn't right, but I just knew that something wasn't right um, as far as racial dynamics. So I remember when my high school was um, putting on a HBCU tour, I was like, oh, you know, I've heard heard of it, but I didn't really have a full understanding. And my guidance counselor was really pushing me to look into Howard. Um, and the way she described it, like as a prestigious school and everything, I was just like, mm, it just sounds like me. So <laughs> I applied, got in, went there for um, acceptance day. And it just was so amazing. It was just beautiful to see like professional black people um, within accounting, all the different schools that I've I've never had the experience before. Like I never was taught by a black teacher. I never Mm. met like a black professor. And to have that at the age of 18, is like, I felt like I was missing something all my life. Mm. Um, And once I got there, it just, it just honestly felt like a black utopia, um, like being able to sit in a classroom and have a black woman be my professor, but she was also a PhD. And I was like, wow, like I never, I just never had that experience. And the bar is just set so high. <laughs> when you get to Howard, it just constantly pushes you to just do more and more and more because you just keep meeting more and more amazing people and their experiences and what they have to go through. But it's just honestly like a family, a community, a support system. Um, I'm sorry if I'm going on. I could talk about Howard all day long, but I love Howard. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Like, I think that's, that's, that's what I get from the HBCU experience is that like Mm -hmm. community family vibe that you just cannot get at, you know, Mm -hmm. PWI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you? What are you? Um, I guess now that you've graduated, what do you take away from that experience in terms of how? Um, you know, do you feel like it, it equipped you for what you're doing now? Like in the sense of like, as a black woman going into a what I. I don't want to assume, but what I may assume to be a predominantly white industry or, you know, specifically where you're working, if that's the representation, if it's not, mm-hmm. just how did, how did that experience kind of empower your own sense of self to, to be able to show up in these, these spaces and, and feel like you have a voice and not have to feel like you have to shrink that voice and dump it down? Yeah. Um, I would say as far as that aspect, it is challenging because it's only but so much that you can learn 
And then once you're put into that situation, it's kind of like a different experience and, and how you're going to handle it. So like with me, even from going from Howard and then going to my grad school program, it felt like I was put into a, a different planet or a different world as far mm-hmm. as what I was dealing with. And it's like, uh, I haven't dealt with this since high school. Like, why am I dealing with this now? Like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with that for the last four years. And it was a, a level of respect that we had for one another, a level of I see you as a human being that I did not mm-hmm. have at my grad school program. Um, and I would say, like, Howard definitely taught us to advocate for ourselves and to stand up for ourselves, but it, it's just different once you're in that situation. Um, like I said, like, how are you going to handle it? And I wouldn't, I don't want to blame Howard for saying they didn't prepare me for that, but I don't think anyone can prepare you for um, being the only black person, black woman in an all white space mm-hmm. in a professional setting that only advocates yeah. for themselves. You know, it, it's just different. And it's just, People definitely like shared their experiences with me at Howard, but you will only know until you're actually there yeah. and have to like do it right then and there. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that's a good. <laughs> I get it, and I think it's a good. Um, it's a good way to just even segue into talking a little bit about like what we're seeing happen in the black community in terms of, um just more light being shed on our everyday experiences that we all know are, mm-hmm. um, I don't know why I feel like something just went in my eyeball. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, like the everyday experience that we live as black people, that white people are just now some starting to open themselves up to, and to try to even understand and perceive, which, which like you're saying, like if you don't walk the shoes, it's like, you can get the narrative, but you really, really don't get it until mm-hmm. and, and unless you walk that out. So what do you just make of everything that's happening? I know it's a why in general question, but just what do mm-hmm. you make of everything that that's happening right now in terms of um, I'm going to say it from the point of black people being empowered to like, just be black out loud to, 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 almost demand that self-respect to find that self-respect for some. Mm -hmm. What do you just make of everything? Um, I'll say I have, I have mixed feelings for different reasons. I am all for evolution as far as blacks becoming more um, open and bold about who they are. And like you said, demanding that respect, I think is a a wonderful thing, especially when it comes to reclaiming history has always been ours. Um, I am completely here for that. It's just a struggle for me as far as those who are not Black starting to awaken to that pride and and acknowledge it, only because we've been here for 400 years and have dealt with this for 400 years. And now, again, we're put in a position where we have to um, be open to others trying to accept us. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's like being with an abusive partner for a very long time and then they decide they want to be nice to you and you're just, you have to be open to them being nice. It's a lot of trauma. It's a lot of complexities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't, I just, I want the focus to be centered around us, to be centered around so our Myra, lives. This is wrong. 
why you this is why you are it for me. <laughs> I want it to be centered around our own healing within our community, the love that we have for one another, the love between black women and black men. Like just as black people, I think it's just a lot of things that we can just focus on even when it comes to acceptances of like LGBT, I think there's a lot that just needs to be done inwardly before um, we're just open um, to moving forward because that's, it's just gonna take a lot of healing. Like, especially with me being in a professional setting, I've received a lot of messages over the last few weeks and a lot of, hey, can we catch up? I just wanna check on you. and. The only word I can use is it's just been very disruptive because mm -hmm. I like to properly grieve when black bodies are being destroyed mm -hmm. and you're interrupting my grieving process by you wanting to catch up so that you can release your guilt. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't take that on. I can't tell mm -hmm. you that, yes, I'm so glad you checked on me or I'm so glad you sent that message when that's not true. I'm gonna tell you that I'm processing right now. I'm grieving right now. And when it's best for me, maybe we can catch up. But if I allow myself to have these meetings, respond to these messages and listen to you tell me about all the books that you're reading and all the organizations you're donating to, I can no longer allow myself to be the center. I can no longer focus on myself because I'm trying to like position myself to receive you in the right way. That's not fair to us. Mm. Because when have we ever really tried to be the focus or allow ourselves to really heal and grieve? Like, it just, it can get really sad for me. So that's why I said I have mixed feelings. But I'm, I'm glad that we can celebrate one another. I'm glad that more people know about Juneteenth. Um, I just hope it doesn't become commercialized and very um, sensational where it has lost its meaning. Mm -hmm. Because Juneteenth is not new and has been celebrated for many years. Yeah. I hope Kwanzaa isn't lost. You know, I just. Wow. Yeah, that's that's all I can say right now. <laughs> it's complex for me. <laughs> so it's crazy that you use the analogy um, about abusive or toxic relationship because that's the exact way that I framed it when I was, you know, trying to make a point uh, to to someone who just didn't understand why. I, my response was different. I'll say it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I agree with you. I think there is the, like the, if we're, if the focus is, uh, and again, protesting, I think it's great. We're seeing things like literally shift as a result of that momentum, different, different things that people are doing, I think is great. Whatever you feel compelled to do as a form of resistance. But I do agree in the sense that there's, some equalizing energy we need to have as it relates to self-work and as it relates mm -hmm. to self-healing within our communities. Um, and it's almost too, it's like, I, I was saying, I think on Insta story, like, you know, we have to be careful in making sure that we're not reinforcing the toxicity by like, wanting this group of people to validate our existence and our self-worth by mm -hmm. like begging them to see us, begging them to hear us and to acknowledge us. It's like, no, whether you do or not, like mm -hmm. 
you know, we're going to put the information out there. We're going to live our truth. Honestly, we're going to demand that respect in that way, but life will go on because the work is really about what we're doing as a collective. Yes. And that's why I think I've always been um, like huge on words and understanding the meaning and the impact with language. And even when it comes to Black Lives Matter, I, I, I obviously stand for it. I obviously support it. But it's something different to say Black power, Black pride, right? Than, like, than Black Lives Matter because Black power is declarative, right? And with Black Lives Matter, I think it sometimes falls into the category again of wanting that validation. Mm. Letting people know we matter. It's like, okay, wait, we already knew that we mattered though. So who, who are we talking to now? Like, is this about empowering us or again, trying to get that validation? And with that, it just, I think, causes a lot of confusion different opinions and different agendas rather than having a declarative statement for us. Mm. Yeah. That's that's powerful. I'm putting it up on the screen because I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that is powerful. People and I agree. Know their history. Go back. <laughs> a few years. Yeah. No, it's true. We really just have to check the motive and intent behind that state. Like when we say it, what are we saying? Mm-hmm. Um, what are we saying? So I love that. All right. So let's 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 slide a little bit back. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, to, you talked about when you first started talking, you talked about um, the African dance that you're a part of. Mm. How did you, what prompted you to even explore that? Like, how did you even discover Mm. that passion? So um, when I was at Howard, my senior year, I really went to go out for the dance team, but I was so, so afraid because I was like, oh my God, what if I get so involved and then my grades slip and then I don't graduate on time. And it was just a lot of fear that prevented me from doing it, even though everybody's like, you should do it, you should do it. And I know I want to do it. And then once I left Howard, it was like, honestly, that's probably my biggest regret for not um, doing dance at Howard because like of all places to do it, why would you do it at Howard? But I had to make that time to find dance, to find a company, to find the time and it it was so hard. Whereas like while you're in college, it's literally handed to you on a platter. Like it's already built into your schedule. And in a professional setting, someone else owns your schedule, someone else owns your time. So it was always a struggle to like want to leave, work at a decent hour, like 6.30 or seven to make it a dance class. But knowing that I had to log in after I came back from dance. So, um, I'm trying to remember your, your question, but that's kind of how I like got into it because I, like, because of Howard and not being able to do it when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, um, transitioned to like adult life, postgraduate life, I really, I was really focused on like creating my own life. And what did that mean for me? Um, outside of being an accountant. Like I did not want that to just solely define me. So like it was my mission that year to just kind of be more like in a social scene. So I wanted to do dance. Um, I started to like be involved with like different organizations and whatnot. I just wanted to like expand my life and have a full life. Um, 
so yeah, that was 2016. And then I don't remember the third question. I'm sorry. No, just like what, what prompted you to like explore and really start to cultivate that, that part okay. of um, Okay, so then when I like started doing it, it was just like instant love and it felt beyond like physical. Like I always say I, dance is very spiritual. Some people may not um, believe that, but I know it to be true. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something like I would come in feeling stressed from work and literally leave just feeling so much better, so relieved. And while I'm doing it, I'm just focusing on the movements and it just, it just takes you to a different place. And I just, there, I'm, there's nothing like it that I can really compare to, but it's not anything I will ever want to give up. And that's why I'm like still grieving now <laughs> that I can't do it because it's like a sense of community. It's like that one black space that I have during the week while the remaining of the week, I'm in a non-black space. Um, so it was definitely beyond physical. Yeah, I have a... Um... A friend named Sonovia, she she posts that movement and dance releases stored trauma. Like there's, I guess, some type of scientific um, mm -hmm. that shows that movement and dance is a form of therapy and it releases stored trauma in the body. So mm -hmm. when you're talking about it being a spiritual experience and just like healing, like, yeah, I absolutely could see that. Yes especially with the traditional drums and whatnot. So it was it's just a very beautiful experience to have. And I love the community that I have there. Like there are elders there who are like in their sixties dancing better than me. You know, like mm -hmm. it's just it's just a beautiful experience. It's like family, community, oneness, um and a, a very sacred space, I would say. Mm. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, if there was a song to express your current theme music, right? Mm -hmm. um, past, present, you know, if there was a song, what, what would that song be that represents your current life theme music? And like I can make up the name of the song or does the song like already exist? Oh, I mean, get us. You can be clever with it, and because oh. <laughs> I would but, like, think, like, I have to actually look at my phone. There are songs that I choose for the week that like describe me, but mm -hmm. as far as it's presently, if I, I have to go to Spotify, if you don't mind. Okay, yeah, and, or just what you're listening to. Like, what is what has been the music of choice for you at, in this current moment of life? Yeah, um, I love. Um, Afro beats and soca. Mm. I just want to put that out there because <laughs> it just literally lifts your spirits and mm -hmm. everybody don't get it, but it's just something that, I don't know, it's just beautiful. But mm. I also love to listen to Landro. Mm. Um, he created this some Flower Soul album in 2018, but I started mm. listening to it in 2019 at the end of 2019 but every day at the beginning of 2020 i listen to it every single day um because it's just a lot of reaffirming who you are mm -hmm. especially as a black woman and a lot of um a lot of songs about like loving yourself and that's that's kind of been my focus for 2020 like fully loving and accepting yourself 
So I don't have like a specific tong- song title, and I'm sorry. But no, that album, Sunflower no. Soul, is the album. I would use that as my theme. Yeah, I, I follow him on um on IG. He's definitely I have I have not ever listened to um the album, so I'm gonna have to check that mm. out. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Landra. Okay, that's on my to play to play next. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna just wrap wrap this conversation up by just I guess asking you for the the college student um who's entering or for the person entering college mm-hmm. thinking about college um thinking about whether they should go to a more traditional PWI versus going to historically black college or university. Um, even thinking maybe I don't even need college because with social mm-hmm. media, with technology, with this entrepreneurial spirit, spirit mm-hmm. age that we live in, um, maybe I don't need college. What, what do you, what advice, what suggestion, how can you impart just into that emerging person in terms of helping to kind of make those decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that some people say that college isn't for them, but that's not something that I believe because especially with um, different majors evolving um, for entrepreneurs, for like data analytics, for digital media, I think you can find your space anywhere. Um, of course, I'm gonna advocate for HBCU because there's nothing like going to HBCU. Um, and during, especially those formative years where you're developing between like 18 to 22, I guess that age bracket is, just like for people who are like just graduating college, it's just such a critical time because going to HBCU allows you to be like completely free and you'll never get that experience again once you leave. And then for those who I guess will be older or just trying to choose, I would say do what's best for you, um, because I don't. I don't also like to like fit people into a certain category if it's not for them. But I would say always advocate for yourself. Do what's best for you. But of course, I'm going to say there's nothing like HBCU. Okay. Yeah. You know, you and some other people lately have me reconsidering. I was, uh, you know, I did a year in this doctorate program. I recently transferred to Drexel and I'm trying to like tunnel through, but it's just like more and more I'm realizing I don't have to like tunnel through. Like I can just go to a university where I feel and see myself represented. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's like this, sometimes this belief system that at least for me that I've carried this false narrative of, um, just thinking it's for me to persist. And it's like, mm-hmm. some things I don't, I know, I just need the environment that speaks yeah. to who I am, speaks to, you know, what I'm about and and I'll persist there. So that's yeah. even encouraging to me. Like, I, I don't want to start over again, but for me, the timeline of how long it takes me to get through this degree matters the least. What matters most mm-hmm. is that the experience is is one that resonates and one that is not just me trying to go through the motions to get it done, just to say yeah. I got it done. 
And and yeah. lately, that's that's how I've been feeling. Well, I hope <laughs> that you don't have to feel that way much longer. I don't want you to feel like you're just persisting. Yeah. You should enjoy the journey as as you're on it. You know. I agree. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's helpful for me. I, I have to go pray now because I don't even know if I'm about to <laughs> like if I'm, if I'm about to start this process for the third time at another university. But there's no shame in that, and I'm just yeah. And like, what is time really? Yeah, it's literally a construct that we make up in our head, and we set these deadlines, and always feel so rushed. But mm-hmm. I like what the elders always say: is just take your time, you know, and just. I'm learning to just kind of just slow it down. And at the end of the day, you just have to do what's best for you. I think experiences are, they trump having to like have to rush through things. But if you can enjoy the moment, have that um, reaffirming environment, you'll probably end up more happier, happily better after. Yes. (laughs) And on that note, because... No, thank you. Thank you, Jamar. This has been um this has been impactful for me and like obviously in the way that I just shared, but um yeah, I just need to be reminded of that often apparently. No <laughs> so is there um I guess anything I know you're not like a big social media head and anything like that, but is there anything um, anything coming up that you want to share, even if not directly with you that, um, I don't know, just in this Juneteenth weekend, is there anything? I was going to say tomorrow's Juneteenth. And I just want to remind everyone that the holiday is not new. It's not new. So take time to reflect and celebrate and have some pride for your culture. That's all I have to say. Okay. I'm with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again. This is, like I said, I appreciate um, I appreciate everything you shared. And I'm sure uh, someone listening will be able to pull from your gems, your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate that. And I love you. I love you too. <laughs> all right so well thank you all for tuning in and for listening um stay tuned there are many more interviews that are coming up today from the it's a different world with creatives on campus um series if you are not already following our podcast um feel free to download on any of your digital podcasting sites um we are always featuring emerging and um dope creatives like jamira Um, hearing their stories, hearing what they're up to, and hopefully encouraging and inspiring you to live out that freedom in the different ways that you you feel for you to do. So thank you again, Jamira. Thank you everyone for listening. And everyone will see, stay tuned. We have more to come. Bye.